0: Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest in our morning joy and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your grace and truth into our hearts. We pray this in your most holy and precious name and all God's people said, amen. This is the final week of our summer sermon series on reflecting on the book of Galatians. And we are in Galatians chapter six. If you wanna fire up your smartphone, tablet or device, Swipe over to, from the socials to the Word of God, that would be great. Or if you take a, a pew, or a chair Bible there, that might be in front of you. I believe the page number is 975. It's that, if that's different, let me know. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, we'll be referencing those verses a little bit later in the message. The title of the sermon this morning for you is, I don't want to judge you, but dot, dot, dot. And many times when we've heard that kind of a phrase, harsh criticism of a very judgmental nature follows. As Ralph Waller Emerson quips, we judge others by their actions, we judge ourselves by our intentions. And how true that can be sometimes with ourselves and our relationships with others. And really, human nature is to judge a lot of things. We do this almost automatically. We judge everything. We judge beauty and talent. We judge which teams will lead the NFC North. My money's on the lines this year. I think the Vikings will be strong competitors with Kirk Cousins at the helm. I think Packers will be the wild card with Jordan Love. Who knows? And the Bears, (laughs) well, sorry about you. Apologies to Sheridan Washer. We judge the way other people raise their children. We even judge the way people raise animals. We even give ribbons and awards at the county fair for those animals that we deem worthy. And some people even make a living out of judging others. (laughs) Amy Cuddy, who is a social science researcher at Harvard University, says that upon first impressions, and as we are getting to know people, we use three criteria to judge them. Appearance, sociability, and morality. In other words, the way someone looks to us, if they are kind and gracious in their welcome, or a little bit cold, distant, and aloof, and then their character, the values that they are displaying in their lifestyle. So appearance, sociability and morality and we use that information to answer these two pivotal questions because we are determining whether or not this person will be worth our time energy and resources investing in a relationship with them we want to answer these questions in our hearts and minds number one can i trust this person and number two should i respect them All of that gets wrapped up in the first impressions that we have of others and engaging them in a relationship, a friendship, as it were. But Cuddy's also quick to warn us that judging others is a natural instinct and we are a little judgmental at times. We all are a little judgmental at times. However, we cannot let our judgments control us. To really get to know someone, we have to give them a fair chance. And she goes on, we should be careful who we judge and why as we may be judging the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Or as the cartoonist points out, with two penguins on an ice floe, I try not to be judgmental, but I see everything in black and white. da da So the question comes to us as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are we supposed to judge others or not? Well, ultimately, this whole idea of judging someone as being worthy of heaven or hell, whether a person is saved or not, that is not your judgment to make or my judgment to make. That belongs to Jesus. So that job has been taken care of already. But what about The church, what about our family of faith? What about other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we to have some kind of judgment for them as we encourage one another in living out our Christian faith and values? And the answer comes to us from God's word in the book of Galatians. Paul's letters to the Christians gathered in and around Galatia. And so if you have that Bible, please get it out. If you have that smartphone, please fire it up and we will look at Galatians Chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And we'll get some answers here. We'll get some explanation here. We'll also get some extension for our lives and relationships with one another. Galatians 6, verse 1. The answer comes to us right away. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So this answer from the Apostle Paul to the Galatians, and by extension to us, is yes. We are to judge each other, and as we're judging each other, and as we're seeing someone else who is straying from the faith, who's struggling with sin, or trying to make sense of this whole Christian faith in life, yeah, we are to approach them. We are to have a conversation with them. But we who are of the Spirit ought to restore them in what manner? Gently. Gently. Not with harsh criticism or condemnation, but with loving care and concern. So are we supposed to judge each other? When it comes to salvation, no. When it comes to living in the Christian faith, Yes especially if they belong to the household of faith, if they are a fellow believer, a brother and sister in Christ, a fellow church member, then yes. And how do we do that? Verse two, carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is that law of Christ? Jesus' words, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and you will love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love God and love others. That's the law of Christ according to Jesus' own words. And how do we do that? We do that in part by carrying each other's burdens. By coming alongside others who are struggling with their sins and shortcomings. And then reminding them of the love and forgiveness of their Savior once again. Let's move on. Galatians 6, dropping down to verse 6. Nevertheless... The one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. That's a good relationship between teacher and student, between pastor and people. And we lovingly give that instruction. We lovingly discuss that. And we lovingly receive that as a word from the Lord. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Pause right there. This is why it's so important for us to be able to approach each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and share concerns that we have about our beliefs and our behavior. Because a person reaps what they sow. And we know from our own experience that living a life outside the faith, going after the things of this world, do not ultimately satisfy and because all of us have also struggled with sin in some form or fashion, correct? Correct? Yeah, I'm not the only sinner here, good. We know what that's like. We know what that feels like. And would it have been great if in our struggle with sin, someone came alongside of us, not lording it over us, not condemning us, not talking down to us, but encouraging us, supporting us, pointing out what they see in our lives and how that's inconsistent with what we believe. And then asking questions. What's going on? How are you doing? How can I be praying for you? Because this doesn't seem like you. And I know that you love Jesus. And you know something else? Jesus loves you too. And he wants better for you. How different would that be If in our struggle, we had someone to come to us in those moments, we can be that kind of person for others. Verse nine, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, which people, no, 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 just the good looking ones, just the incredibly talented and gifted ones. Just the the wealthy ones who have means and can bless us. No, it's just the ones who, um, you know, live in my town and go to my church and sit near me, you know, and worship. Just the ones who vote like me. Just the ones who support my favorite sports team. Just the ones who live close to me. Just the ones I know. That's not what the scripture says at all, does it? The Apostle Paul says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to. All people. Which people? All people. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's you and that's me, that's us together. So, yes, we're to be good to others, but we're also to be good to others who are straying from the faith, who are struggling with the faith, and who are trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong for their lives. This is something that we need to take note of as the Christian church because I think over the decades, somewhere along the line, we have disconnected from the culture. We have lived our Christian lives. We've gathered together as God's people and good for us. But somewhere along the line, other people did not want to connect with us or consider who Jesus Christ is because of our witness or lack thereof to them. Or because the witness we were offering was harsh, critical, or judgmental. If we love each other, as Christ loved and laid this down his life for the church. If we receive the love and forgiveness for Christ and share that love and forgiveness with others as a body of believers, wouldn't that be more inviting to others to consider who we are and what we believe and who this Jesus is? And to consider his claims as the true son of God and the savior of the world. So many times, folks are not joining the local church, they're not coming to worship, they're not opening up their Bibles because they see our behavior, they see our division, they see our bickering, and they see our judgmental natures coming through more so than the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And because of that, some of them might be looking at a Christless eternity, And that's very serious. And that should cause us to reflect, to repent, to receive the forgiveness that Christ won for us on the cross, and then to be restored and renewed as God's people, to reach out and connect more people to Jesus through our attitude and our actions and the way that we love each other. See how they loved each other. And in so doing... Invite other people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Amen. The sermon's not over yet, though. <laughs> Verse 11, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. This is the Apostle Paul writing this himself as a point of emphasis, which, yes, means that sometimes the Apostle Paul and other scripture writers used a scribe, used a proxy to, again, transmit that, that message onto the written page. And that's Okay. The Apostle Paul is doing this here, and he's saying, hey, I've got this, I'm writing this, and I want to make a point. Pay attention to this. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh, by doing good works, by following rites and rituals, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The Jewish practice of belonging to the Lord. The only reason that they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. They are promoting rites and rituals over an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Instead of repenting and receiving the forgiveness of Jesus and that promise of salvation that's freely given, they continue to say, follow this and follow that, and then you can belong. And that's not what the Apostle Paul is promoting here. Instead, verse 14, the Apostle Paul continues, May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Because neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. The new creation brought about by the presence of God. The love of Christ, the baptism of believers, the confession of our sins, the reception of his forgiveness, and the receiving that message of life eternal in Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Friends, you are a new creation. And you're continually being made new in the image of God because of Jesus Christ, your Lord. And it's that image that we are to bear with others, especially those who are struggling in the faith or struggling with their beliefs and behaviors about the faith. Not just rites and rituals, rules and regulations, but a real relationship with Christ that's offered to others free of charge with very few barriers. In terms of behavior. Because that free gift has also been offered to us. Even when we were not at our best behavior. And thanks be to God for that. Now, where am I? Verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. To the Israel of God, that is to the people of God. His peace and mercy are for you. Friends, Thanks be to God that we don't have to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner when it comes to encountering other people and their beliefs and their behaviors. But we also recognize that God is calling us to approach others and to sometimes have a conversation with them about what we see in their life and how it reflects their Christian values and character. And if you have a critical spirit, boy, this comes easy. But sometimes your approach could use a little compassion. We can learn from the Apostle Paul, and we can be tempered by the Holy Spirit, his timing, his wisdom, as we approach others and do so in a gentle fashion. Or, if you have a more permissive spirit about you, yes, you've got the grace of God going on, but sometimes it's hard to muster up that courage. To have a difficult conversation with someone about what you're observing about them because it's going to be awkward and you don't want to appear judgmental. The Holy Spirit can give you the timing and the wisdom and the words to use so that you can have a meaningful conversation and approach them with loving care and concern and point, them, point to what you're seeing versus what you know they believe. But in so doing, the body of Jesus Christ is strengthened. God is glorified and together we get to repent of our sins, receive forgiveness from the Lord and fall at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ because ultimately that's where all of our sins belong. At the foot of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So he can forgive us, he can renew us, he can restore us and he can reconcile us in our relationship with God the Father and with each other. Friends, as we close the sermon series, uh, it's already up on the screen here. This is actually a quote from Martin Luther and his commentary on Galatians chapter 6, the chapter that we've read a few times this morning. We'll give Luther the last word. He begins this quote with these words, The kingdom into which you have been called is not a kingdom of fear and sadness. It is a kingdom of confidence and happiness. Not fear and sadness, confidence and happiness. So if you see your brother in terror because of a sin of which he has been guilty, run to him, extend your hand to him in his fallen state, and comfort him with his sweet words, in a spirit of gentleness, not of zeal for righteousness or cruelty. That's pretty good for Martin Luther, because we know Luther could get excited about a lot of things. But here Luther is prescribing gentleness and mercy and grace not a zeal for righteousness or cruelty. Friends, may it be for us as God's people, even as we reach out to those in need and those who maybe are far from the faith or believe or behave differently than we do. And may they know that we're Christians, that we're followers of Christ by the love that we display with each other, but also with them. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.